Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Event Industry New Podcast. I'm here today with Ali Mega, founder and CEO of Hope. Ali's all the way over in the States right now, so she's coming into me through the Tinter web, um, and it's quite early where she is, so, so give her a break if she's a bit groggy. Um, for those that don't know, Hope is a virtual events tool with a powerful set of features uh, on the back end to help meeting managers and event producers. Um, today, me and Ali are going to be talking a little bit about her transition into event tech from event organization um, and that side of things all the way through to what the future looks like in the meetings and events industry. Ali, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Really excited to be here with you this morning. Great way to start my morning. Absolutely. No better way. I did one this morning, actually, at 6 a.m. So, oh. Yeah, I, I was the guest. Uh, that was interesting. Uh, and there was two people firing questions at me. So, so yeah, I had to be on, I had to be on phone. I had a few coffees before that one as well. <laughs> Um, Ali, I think you've got a really, really interesting story about your transition into event tech. So for our listeners and our viewers, can you give us a little brief overview of kind of how you got into events and then how you transitioned over to, to creating hope? Yeah, absolutely. Well, a little known fact about my career is I started when I was 18, so almost 22 years ago in the events industry, um, but I was very much into cars. And so I started with throwing lifestyle car shows. Um, I was a street racer. And so I started and for six years, I actually built up a brand. I did one show here locally and that built to 10 across the US over six years. So I really cut my teeth on what it meant to be a trade show producer. And from there I went into corporate events and I ran an experiential agency and through that process was able to run some of the world's largest technology events like Microsoft's Ignite, which is their largest customer event. And so that was an incredibly rewarding experience for me to get to be on the strategic planning side and really executing events that may have 30 or 40,000 people in one place. And through that process really found that our need for tech had evolved because when I started my career, fax machines were tech and like access databases. <laughs> Very different to be calculating evaluations, you know, with writing things down and adding things on a calculator or using access. So. <laughs> Um, and really, I wanted to find ways of helping my team and my agency to be able to scale because we were spending all of our time in spreadsheets and email, and we weren't able to do the strategic work that I really wanted to do. And I also wanted to up-level the attendee experience. How do we get them more timely and relevant information? How do we help curate their experience and make them excited? And so I decided to build technology that at first helped my agency scale. And then once I saw that it was helping them and the events that they were a part of, I decided to take that to market and that's been my focus for over five years now. That's brilliant. Um, amazing. I mean, I'm a car guy, so um, <laughs> off, off air sometime. Um, I, I can just see you. What car did you have? Come on. give us. Give oh me. yeah. I had a 99 Honda Civic SI, but it had RSX uh, taillights and S2000 headlights and it had a, a a motor swap and all sorts of things. So I used to actually get in and wrench on my own engine. You can't really do that these days because everything is computerized. But uh, I also now have a very old school car that's about mm, 450 horse, but it's one of the lightest cars. So uh, uh, it's pretty fun to drive. <laughs> nice, nice. My, my current car is a family wagon, uh, I have to say. Uh, yeah, me also, too. <laughs> uh, why? So I had to give up my... I had a BMW 435 X Drive. Um, mm -hmm. 
with a twin turbo on it and that was that was extremely fun the, I'm, I'm surprised i didn't get banned from driving to be honest with you but anyway <laughs> that's a totally another conversation i just when people give me tidbits like that i love to just dig a little bit deeper because especially sure. when it's with you um so ali i mean for me what's always interesting or what what produces the best events i can i've seen a lot over the years is when it comes from the side of I have a challenge, I need to overcome that challenge and I can't find a tool or product to help me do that. And that's created and curated around that core challenge and built from the inside out where, where sometimes when tech comes from outside the industry and tries to kind of shoehorn itself in, it, it doesn't quite gel quite right. And, and it doesn't, you know, maybe there's a lot of people that have to undo a lot of work once they actually figure out what the industry needs, right? So um, I think that also really for me would make me feel comfortable that when I'm investing in hub, it's going to kind of do what it says on the team because of your experience and your team's experience behind it. So I think, I think that's a, I think that's a great, um, a great thing. And, and hopefully we'll see more of that as well. More innovation come yeah. from actually our internally, our industry to create the technology we need. Um, I guess to start off with, we're going to have to get the elephant out of the room, which is we're still discussing this during, um, the coronavirus and, and the pandemic we're coming f- closely further out of it here in the in the UK um, I'd really be interested to see here about what your opinion is on on kind of how this pandemic has affected our sector and and what it might look like I guess going going forward from from your perspective over in the States yeah absolutely it's definitely been a sobering time over the last 90 days and I remember when we first got news that Mobile World Congress was canceling and that was sort of the start to the wave of everything that then happened after that. And I, my heart just feels for this industry because in the events industry, when you manage events and you're part, this is who you are. It's not just a job. This is something that we thrive on. It's the environment. It's we put our heart and soul into our work. And so I think, you know, general panic has been what I've seen. I mean, this is the first time ever that I've had people calling me on my cell phone that I don't know panicked and crying, like literally saying my job is at risk and I, I need help and I can't get anyone to help me. And so, I, you know, as a founder, especially of an event technology company, that's been one of the things that's been most rewarding to me is that we can help, not sell we can help. And a lot of, to your previous point, a lot of what I've been doing in the industry over the last 90 days, it is advocacy. It's helping people to understand what the transition could look like and how they already have the skill set that they need to be successful. They just need to get the mental block out to say, planning a virtual event is the exact same as an in-person. You got to know your business goals and objectives. You have to think about the experiential design. And one of the things that I say all the time is do not be defined by the platform. Because if you go into it thinking, I can only do a 90s video game and that's my virtual event experience, that's the worst mentality to have. Because you have to think about, does that actually even achieve your goals and objectives? Or should you pass and invest in something else? And so at Hub, we really like to spend time with our customers, helping them think through what are they doing? Why are they doing it? And how can they actually create the experience that they want? And not just think that a platform is going to solve everything, because it's not. It's still all about their effort and design and putting the right content, the right experience in front of their audience. 
And so it's just been a time of transition, I think, as we really understand and, and remember the value of in-person events, but also knowing that for the short term, virtual is the way that we have to be because of the pandemic. But then long term, also thinking about what does hybrid actually look like? And I'm not talking about a completely separate virtual experience and a completely separate in-person, but what does the meld of those two things actually feel like? How do we get people connected? Because that is the beauty of live events, is all about the human connection. It's why they've stayed around. And in early 2000s, when I was in my meeting planning career, everyone said virtual is gonna be the way of the world when the economy crashed and you know in-person events weren't gonna be a thing. Six months later, they were a thing and they were happening and people value that human connection. It's why there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the virtual space is because there wasn't a need. Now there's a direct need and so we have an opportunity to completely change our perspective and really innovate the way our industry functions. And so it's just a mindset shift to be like, how can I be a part of this? This is exciting and it's new and really think about that, that transformation. Well, first of all, I commend you for helping. Um where me personally and Vintage News are trying to do exactly the same. We've kept all our team working because we want to publish information and news and mm -hmm. spread as much knowledge out there as possible to help people through that time. And I guess that's clearly your agency background shining through. <laughs> you're, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously from a creative background, you're there to solve problems and think outside of the box. So... I think taking your experience and knowledge and passing that on and, and kind of reaffirming that we are all in this together, but it's not such a leap, you know, in terms of doing physical to, to online. I think our industry has the biggest opportunity going forward to elevate live events and harmonize them with online events to create an extremely powerful digital content creation and engagement strategy for, for any brand company or organization that, that wants to get out there. Um, I was looking at some stats recently on where event marketers rely the most in terms of gaining traction. And 66% mm -hmm. um, of those respondents said they, they heavily use webinars. So an online event, essentially. Not a very fancy online event, but an sure. online event. <laughs> yeah. um, and 77% of those valued in-person events and face-to-face -face events higher. So overriding, let's call 50% of marketers use both strategies as part mm -hmm. of ways of engaging their community, their customers, their clients, etc. We just now need to really drive that, I think, going forward. I don't see them sitting totally separate. I don't see it being face-to-face -face is the only way, true way. Online is the, the, the new animal that's gonna chew everybody's businesses up. <laughs> It's not going to work like that. If, if anything, I really strongly believe that there is an opportunity to bring more revenue and more budget into our sector by now offering these digital opportunities and providing the ROI and all that kind of stuff. So I, again, like I said, I commend you for, for helping out. Is there any way that anywhere that anybody can kind of go to look at maybe some of your thoughts on this? Have you got like a blog for her? Is there any kind of resources that you want to mention? Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but definitely our hub blog is a great place of, of resource and information. One of the things that is important to me is to lead with authenticity. 
And in order to do that, you have to share good and bad and you have to help people overcome things. And so part of my passion is in producing events. It always has been. And I haven't done that for about two and a half years. That was the last time that I ran Microsoft's Ignite conference. And so as I saw the industry really changing and people having a need for inspiration and literally my phone ringing off the hook with people saying, what do I do? I decided to throw an event again and it was the most fun I've had in years. And the reason why I reference that with our resources is one of the whole points of Untethered was to quote, break the internet. And I know the internet is not with an S, but it was a purposeful like break the internet. Um, and it would, was really meant to say, let's be in a safe space and let's try all the things together that we would be nervous doing if it were a customer event that we were actually producing. And part of that was daily recaps where I would sit on my back porch, just like I would, uh, well, I wouldn't be on my back porch. I'd probably be stressed out in my hotel room. But in person, what I would do after every day is send an executive recap. What went well? What didn't go well? What did we adapt and change to make the experience better for attendees? But instead of just keeping that to our planning team, I sent it to every single attendee. And it was honest and it was raw. And part of that was every day that happened. And then after the event, we have an entire webinar series that's happening over eight weeks where we share every bit of data, everything we're still contemplating, everything we learned, the things that completely failed that we thought would work and the things that completely worked that we thought would totally fail. And all of the data is there, all the templates are there. If you're looking for a post-event report template, great, you've got it. So Hub is all about helping our industry because we know our industry and we're trying to provide resources that really help people through this transition as they think about virtual and hybrid in the future. That's super valuable. I mean, one, I want to look at that because I've got, a... <laughs> um, but two, you know, that's, that's absolutely what the industry needs right now. And I think, first of all, we'll talk some about some of your stats about Untethered because they're very impressive. I, I, I really do genuinely mean that. Um, especially considering how quickly you spun that up. And I think that's a testament to online, right? It, if you have a great idea and you have the team and the manpower and the passion to deliver it, you can do these things quite quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But I think the industry really needs a lot of that mind shape at the moment in terms of fact finding, what can work, what can't work, what's the history of it. And everybody in the physical space, I guess, delivering face-to-face -face events, a lot of that is through experience gained already, right? Either working on events or attending events. It, it, you know, if you want to work out what, I don't know, Web Summit are doing, you just go to Web Summit, you buy a ticket, you go, you have a look around and your, your event planner mind kind of... <laughs> right because you know what's going on um so you you can understand what they're doing creatively to engage people and how pop-up things are working and how formats are working and all that kind of stuff but and and some of that stuff works online but i think yeah having that experience of here are the things to avoid and here mm -hmm. are the things that work are, are super valuable so we'll we'll link all of that in the show notes um on event industry news for anybody that kind of wants to have a check those out and we'll do that in the email that goes out to everybody as well um, but let's talk a little bit about more about the statistics on Untethered. Yeah. Um, let's blow the trumpet because how many people did you get like registered and we 
are almost to 5,000 um, in total. Uh, people, it's still an open resource. So one of the things that I was so impressed with is we did a call for content and we had over 150 of some of the world's best brands come and give their perspective on virtual. We had an extremely interesting presentation by someone at Intel that was all about sort of XR and AR and VR and what that means and how that's gonna become a part of our day-to-day -day life. We had uh, you know just a variety of different people with all different backgrounds that all gave different perspectives. And so Untethered is still open. All the content is on demand. It will remain on demand. And so we want to really help provide uh, those resources to people as they go through their planning journey. But yes, almost 5,000 people registered from 60 different countries. And I, basically from the day I had the idea to the first day of the event was less than six weeks. So to be able to achieve that in such a short amount of time with very limited resources, we did no paid advertising. We didn't, it was all just sort of from the heart of, hey, let's, let's get this out there. Uh, but to see that type of response and to be able to help so many people, I got handwritten cards. I mean, this almost made me cry. I've gotten handwritten cards from people to my office that have told me how their lives have changed by having some inspiration and being able to connect the dots. And so as someone that's been in the industry for so long, that is such a powerful thing to be able to be a part of. And I had a whole powerful girl gang that are all in the industry as well that helped me produce this thing. And uh, it was just a lot of fun, but a lot of inspiration as well. The other thing that we really wanted to do was we went back to our roots, right? So I thought about who is our audience? What are the business goals and objectives? And we went through an entire audience experience journey uh, that we did hand in hand with our partners at Storycraft Lab, who, if you haven't met Naomi yet, I've got to connect you guys because her, the way her brain works is just incredible. But we really thought about why are we hosting this event? And it was all about inspiration. And so we thought, okay, this is all about inspiration. How do we give back to the community in a powerful way? And so we looked for nonprofits where we could donate any amount of money that came in 100% to this nonprofit. And so we found the Meetings Industry Fund. And the Meetings Industry Fund is all about supporting people in the industry when times are tough. Mm -hmm. And there's never been a tougher time than right now. Yeah. And so we were able to raise almost $17,000 in registration fees that were completely voluntary because we knew that some people couldn't pay because they might be furloughed. And we knew some people could pay because they, they had good corporate jobs that were continuing. Mm -hmm. And so the option was register for free or donate a dollar, donate $5, do what you can. And the power of our community raised over $17,000. That's almost their entire annual, what they raise on a, an annual basis. And we were able to contribute that in less than six weeks by the industry giving back to the industry. Wow, I'm, I'm gobsmacked. I mean, I think if nothing else, that, that really gives, I suppose, a way for people to be able to look at online events and, and kind of understand that it is achievable right and and yes you guys had the tech and you had the girl gang which i know some of those <laughs> absolutely amazing naomi sounds like somebody i absolutely should talk to and that's what we need everybody should bring their industry uh, bring their people around them to create this but five thousand attendees if you did that physical you would be right. popping the champagne right you'd be like singing from the hymn sheets you'd have some big sponsors you'd have some very happy probably delegates with the types of content you put on you'd have a great event and and just because that's happened online that shouldn't detract from that that's that's still a huge achievement um i want to come on to the donation the donations and raising money because i think that's a really important point but one question i do have for you 
What was your attendee acquisition strategy on an online event? How, how did you go about showcasing value and, and, and bringing those people in to, to register and attend? Well, I think there's a few ways to think about your marketing, but understanding your audience and the segment of audience. So really thinking about, you know, what will speak to them. And part of what we all crave is human connection. So yes, we have great content and that's a core pillar of any event. But then it also was, how do we connect people? Because we all feel so disparate right now. We're all working from home. We don't even have our own teams. Mm -hmm. We feel sort of isolated. All this change is happening. And so we also just promoted the ability to connect human to human. We had people that volunteered their time as experts and they were doing LinkedIn reviews and profile updates and business reviews where you could actually go and book a one-on-one with these people and be put into a virtual place to collaborate. We promoted the fact that as a community, you could come in and answer questions like, what's your favorite part of show site? The crew party, you know, your crew family, the blisters, the show bacon, all the cult things, right? And so I would go in and be like, who enjoys the crew party? Because that's my thing every year is I always throw the best crew parties and the best dive bars. So I would sort by that and be like, all right, these are my party people. I'm going to connect with them and book a meeting. And so it really was about understanding what people were looking for and then giving them that information through marketing. But I also would say that as a part of just the social element of really gaining traction, we utilized Snowball as a part of our uh, marketing strategy. And it was incredible because every speaker, every expert was able to give a testimonial about why they were doing what they were doing and why people should come. And it got you know, promoted all over. LinkedIn was on fire. It was like every day I would open up LinkedIn and it was just untethered, 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 which was so <laughs> cool to see. But there definitely is some element of creating the right message, understanding your audience, but then also utilizing the right promotional tools like Snowball snowball to be able to really get the effect of your entire audience, not just your speakers and your experts, but also attendees that were excited to attend. And after the first day, couldn't wait to share with their friends because things were still open and engaged. So we actually saw a lot of of registration throughout the week and even post-event because of people's help in promoting and understanding the value that we were providing. I think snowball is a great tool and in this situation or any situation where you maybe have an online or hybrid event, uh, even more so because that attendee acquisition journey doesn't have to go through somebody going, right, I need to figure out travel accommodation. What does that look like? Have I got any other meetings booked in on those five days that I need out of the office? It's kind of like, that looks cool. I'm going to join in. And even if I dip in and out, I know that I can attend because I'm, you know, tuning in through my, my, my laptop, my MacBook, my PC, my phone, whatever. And the fact that you've got it on demand as well just gives them even more opportunity. Um, so anybody that's not seen Snowball, go check it out. It is a really good tool. Rachel that runs the company, again, from a background of within the events industry, right? Transitioning yep. tech, another one of those. Um, donations. So you raised a substantial amount of cash and donated that to a very, very crucial industry charity, which is, which is fantastic. My question to you is with online events, because people are kind of like still trying to figure out the whole pricing strategy, like what does value look like? Some people are going, and I've done this in the past, like, if you're providing value, go with the same ticket price. Just because it's online doesn't mean it's any less value. Other people are very much going down the route of, well, it's costing me less to produce. So I'm going to pass some of those cost savings onto my audience and maybe go 55% of cost, which is interesting. 
Do you think we'll see a future where there'll be almost a, a model like you did, which is like, it's pay to play, but however much you want to pay, could, could you see that being a part of the future of kind of how these online elements of, of hybrid events or virtual events kind of play out in terms of, of revenue driving? Yeah. You know, I think it's all about curating experiences based on value and then utilizing platforms that are able to do that. And right now, I think there's this stiff divide between you have virtual tools and then you have in-person tools. And so it's almost like if you want hybrid, you've got to invest in both and have double the infrastructure versus where hub plays is the middle of all of those things. We've done in-person and extremely large tech in-person events. We've done extremely large virtual, and we also understand how to do hybrid. My personal thought process is that in the future, hybrid will be the model that we go to for a lot of the same reasons that you were saying of events are about moving your business forward. You know, whether it's membership because you're an association or whether it's, you know, product sales because you're part of a product organization, it's all about moving business in a substantial way. And no marketer is going to say, oh, I can reach an extra 100,000 people or an extra 10,000 people. Nah, it's okay. I'll just keep my, you know, 5,000 person conference. Not going to happen because that's all leads that move business. And so as we think about the split and how costs are associated, I think there's a few things to think through. One is it's all about the value. So how do you create value in in-person that is a very strong value proposition and create value in a virtual or hybrid, but maybe you also just want to do a little bit to everyone free because you don't want to block any barriers. So for example, on our platform, you can use custom roles to be able to say, this person is just a free web attendee. So they get the keynote and these five free sessions. They don't get to see any meetings. They don't get any of the interactive nature. If they want to do that, they can go upgrade their pass. And now they're a, an actual hybrid attendee. And now they have access to all the rest of these tools. Yep. And so I think that we will look at pricing structures that still allow us to get out the main messages and promote to the world, you know, that's free and get people involved in our organizations and helps to create them in the funnel. But then I think we'll also figure out how to price things in a way based on value, whether that's in-person or hybrid as well. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Cause I've been kind of mulling this over and I was very much going down your train of thought that cause, cause here in the UK, it's somewhat different to the States as well, where, especially around trade show, a lot of our content mm. is the driver of attendee acquisitions. So that mm. we allow access to the event for free. And then, you know, the revenue comes from um, sponsors and exhibitors and, and, and those kind of, those kind of opportunities, maybe some paid promotional content opportunities like workshops, that kind of stuff. Um, but the, the, the world's your ocean, right? With, with online and some people might just want to dip out and they just want the keynote or they just want the Gary Vaynerchuk or the Seth Godin or somebody like that or, um, Michelle Obama or something you know they just want to tune in for that one thing they're not necessarily there wholly because it's their sector to kind of go up those verticals and connect with people and turn that into business mm -hmm. but you're right if those things are of value to people then yeah maybe there should be some form of um, paid access mm -hmm. um, I just wondered if it was kind of different from your perspective being over in the states where my opinion is quite a lot of trade shows are still paid access for content and things like that, right? Yeah. yeah, they are. And I think people are, everyone is playing with it right now. 
uh, you know, everyone's sort of exploring and saying, okay, what, what do I do? And I think there's also a lot of concern right now because some organizations still have really high costs where they can't get out of their existing contracts. And so now virtual is an added cost on top of some of the liability that they might have. And so I think budgets are in flux right now. The whole ROE or ROO, you know, ROI, however you look at it, um, is all a little bit in flux in terms of how we measure value. Uh, and so I think we'll start to get into a more normal rhythm, you know, later on this fall as, as we start to explore. But I think, again, it goes back to just value by audience. One of the other things that I've seen a lot of people doing is figuring out how to get with accrediting agencies to be able to provide CEUs for content where they may not have prior, but now that's of huge value to people because people wanna be certified. They wanna have value, they wanna retain jobs or get new jobs. And so I just go back to the experiential the design to say, how can I create value for these people and then charge appropriately for that value to make sure that I cover cost and still am able to grow the business in the way that I need to. Absolutely, I agree. That's something we've invested here at Event Tech Live over the last couple of years is to um, essentially um, our audience or anybody can come and get CPD points, which is mm -hmm. the, one of the professional development programs here in the UK. And they get those by attending sessions. So they can literally pick up as many or as little as they want, depending on how much they want to kind of what resonates, what makes sense for them to. to, mm -hmm. to. And I think that's absolutely a way that people can provide value is, is crafting their content. So it is more professional development led, therefore of real value. It's not just one of those sessions that you're kind of like, oh, that sounds right. interesting. <laughs> drop in yeah kind of transitions me nicely to my next question which is what do you think the industry looks like then on the whole over the next 12 months and I know it's a bit of a crystal ball question and nobody really yeah. and, and you know there could be a world war like next week I don't know but <laughs> one of the things I know is our industry is extremely resilient this is the first time anything's happened to a sector I think like ours on a global scale for such a long period of time. You know, our industry has dealt with terrorism, war, famine, all the kind of things that you can throw at it. And, and we are the thread, as I call it, that underpins every other industry. You know, there is an event for every sector, no doubt. We are also crucial to business making to, to happening. But what does it look like to you, do you think? Over the, I know you've touched on hybrid and hybrid being a future. But what does that look like? Do you think we'll see a, a resurgence to, to small events than large? Or I don't want to put pads into your mouth, but like it'd be interesting. Yeah. You know, so much is unknown. And I think that is one of the hardest things for type A personalities that like to have project plans and know what's going to happen. I know that for me, it was really tough. It's like, oh my God, I don't know what ha today has in store for me, but all right, let's rock this. You know, it's like a mindset, a mindset every single day that we have to remind ourselves of. But I, I do see everyone wants live events to come back. It's not just us. There was an article about the re revenge of the attendee, right? And when things were available, everyone's going to rush. <laughs> and so I, I think it's going, it, it, it is going to change and evolve and be agile. But for the short term, I think there is just a lot of thought about how do we still create the business value? Because I see organizations that events is a main part of them growing their sales pipeline and they're on hold right now. And so I think there is gonna be a lot of exploration. And one of the things I'm most excited about is 
untethered for me is now a staple. It's something we're going to continue to do um, every six to 12 months. And the next version of untethered will be in January or February of next year, where we actually explore what a true hybrid experience could look and feel like. And when I say that, I mean, having an online presence that's driving your, your content, all of the, the connections that you can have virtually, but then also looking at how do we curate events all throughout the world? How do we bring people to Vancouver, Washington, where we're based and have a hundred people here? And then working with some of our agency partners and in Chicago, they have the same thing. It's almost like a regional watch party where we can actually curate small groups of people because we're probably not going to be able to curate large groups of people for the next 12 to 18 months. And so how do we think about creating VIP experiences for people that are real, that are experiential and bring them into the hybrid environment to connect them throughout the world? And so for me, that's an exciting proposition. I have no clue how to do that well right now, um, but that's part of exploring because we need to look at pushing the bounds. It's the only way that we're going to innovate is by trying, making mistakes, fixing, and you know, continuing to evolve. And I think we'll see a lot of that. Now, people are a little bit anxious. I've done a lot of webinars recently and, and a lot of talks and people say, well, my organization won't explore at all. Like it's, it's a non-negotiable, like it has to be safe. And I say, okay, then do something safe. Do your virtual event that you know you can do really well. Maybe choose one thing to explore on and be vocal about it and say, we're gonna do this virtual event. Here's the value it's gonna bring you. And as we explore this new world in X industry, whatever it is, we're going to attempt to, you know, connect you with experts one on one and explore how we can help the industry. It's all in your marketing. It's all in your phrasing. Try that one thing. Did it work? What was good about it? What was bad about it? Innovate, do it again, choose a, a different one thing that you do. So I think there will be a lot of exploration, but we have to be agile. We have to be open minded and we have to be willing to explore. Because there is a show on National Geographic, and I tell everyone about this, and people are probably sick of hearing it by now, but uh, it's called Year Million, and it's all about the future of technology in the world. And it's produced so incredibly well. It has some of the experts of, you know, future tech thinking entrepreneurs. It has people from Microsoft and Amazon and Google, but it all talks about the evolution of technology and how fast it's been in the last five years compared to the previous hundred years to that and how quickly we are going to move into a completely different universe. Mm -hmm. And as we look at just our day-to-day -day lives right now, think about going shopping on Amazon. I don't even have to leave the house. I click one button and things show up, right? It gives me recommendations about what I should buy and I spend way too much money because of it. I get on Netflix and Netflix is telling me, hey, you could binge for an entire week and not even eat or leave your bed. Like these are things that are starting to become a part of our day-to-day -day lives that are all quote unquote virtual. They're not in person. And so if we think about taking how we live our day-to-day -day lives and what we're seeing and translate that into events, there's bound to be just an incredible amount of innovation as we really rediscover what the value is. I, I love the idea of, of like a multi-spoke event approach where we bring people together closer to home, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, let's be honest, we're, we're all thinking more sustainably. We all, we very much have had time to consider family life over the last 13, 14 weeks and, and how mm -hmm. valuable that is. And I know yeah. when I travel internationally for events, you know, I might be at the event for one or two days, but I have to take three, four days away from home. And I've got a little 11 month old in the background. Yeah. That I'm with. And I'm sure that is 
the same for for everybody and now look at what some of the tech giants are doing like twitter and facebook and stuff of, of kind of having these work from home remotes at, at you know is everybody mm-hmm. the bay i don't know like because it's quite expensive to live there and then that means right. that the company all of a sudden has more costs for travel to, to to events so i would i i i think i agree in the sense that what could be really good is that the the thread that weaves this all together is the hybrid, is the online bit, is that's the way that connects everybody up. But mm-hmm. you know, that serendipity of bringing people together in clusters and then maybe that little cluster can move around so it's not necessarily in the same city or the same dive bar or something every year. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's some change. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, do you know what? I'm, I'm heading over to the, to, to, to the States or to, to Dubai or the Middle East and I'm going to take my family over there and spend a week over there for vacation, but also tag on the event and just dip into that community because it's part of the bigger event space. I think that could be a really good way to go. And how do you do that? How are you going to do that? I don't know. You've you've just got to create a really, let's face it, there are events that go on all over the world every single day. So there are enough people out there to help you manage it. It's about that internal management and how do we communicate with these remote teams? How do we manage and plan everything? And maybe technology is the bit that will make that happen and facilitate all that um, Mm -hmm. and make it easier. I don't want to say easy, but make it a bit easier. Um, Absolutely. And events have never been easy, right? You, you, not everyone can hack it. And, and I've seen that all throughout my career. It's like people think they want to be in events. And then like three weeks later, I actually had someone quit once on the second day of the job. They were like, this is way too stressful. Everyone here is too wired, too much going on. I got to leave. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, like that, you know, not everyone's cut out for it. But I do think that technology will be the thread that connects us. And one of the things that I talk a lot about is co-creation. Mm-hmm. And when you think about in leadership, everyone tells you, help them to have an idea that you want, right? Like guide them to that, have them sort of make suggestions. And then you're like, that's a great idea. But they're so much more invested because they were a part of the creation of that idea. And I take that same mentality to events. How can we bring our attendees in to help us co-create? How are they not just consumers, but actual participants? And so when we talk about engagement, I think engagement is not just, I'm going to create a you know, virtual leaderboard. And so the whoever is gaming the system, right? Or how many chats happen to me, that's not engagement. Engagement means participation. So how do we get people to co-create with us? And that's one of the things that we found at Untethered. People came and they created their own session topics. They said, oh, I don't see that there's a session topic about this. I want to lead a small group discussion. And so people were able to come in and create the content themselves. Uh Or we came into um, networking events or, or evening events and I didn't want to do this, but we did it all in the effort of exploration. People said, let us all turn on our video and audio. And I said, are you kidding me? There's hundreds of people in this room. Why would I do that, right? But I said, okay, this is untethered, let's do it. Like, I don't know if this is gonna be a complete cluster, but what I found is people created the entire environment. We had a pizza and wine night. We had a sommelier there, we had people making pizzas, and then we had random people popping in and saying, hey, I'm gluten-free, and this is the recipe I use. And everyone in chat was like, thank you so much, that's so cool. And then we started to bring people into the conversation. What is your favorite event planning memory? People would come on and they would say, I've been in the industry, six months, or I've been in the industry six years, and people would collaborate over those stories. And what I found is because people were co-creating, they loved it. 
every second of it and they wanted more and they wanted to be a part of something in the future. So as we think about this shift, I think so much of it is how do we bring people into the experience even virtually? Simple things like running social media campaigns and saying, hey, tweet your, your best picture, you know, if it's an award ceremony, tweet your best, best dress picture of you being at the award ceremony right now. And in the live stream, bringing up the photos of the greatest people, like the craziest ones, the fun ones, and having people vote. Everyone loves to see themselves on the screen. So it's all about the experience of design and how we have people co-create with us that I think will help to create that foundation that helps us to blend that world of virtual and in-person. Absolutely. I'm definitely up for that pizza and wine night next year. Like, Yeah, absolutely. You could be from the UK helping us. <laughs> You know, that, that's such a true thing. We do these co-creation things at real life events, don't we? We, you know, we, we actively encourage it at most events. And, and let's be honest with you, we can't control an audience in an auditorium. Like they're there, they could shout, they could speak up, right? they could talk their own mind, they could yell. <laughs> what? All of a sudden, because they're behind a PC and we can't physically grasp hold of them and shake them over. <laughs> like, ooh, careful about this. But let's be honest, we're all adults. We all know how to act. It's some, there's some, even online, there are social norms and etiquette that everybody kind of abides by. And let's face it, you can still kick them if you want to, so you can get them out of here. Right. <laughs> Misbehave. But, you know, some of that playfulness and naughtiness and things that might shine through from people, and, and that's what makes those things special. So I absolutely agree again. I feel like I've just agreed with you all the way. But you know, maybe those are the formats that we'll see elevate to the top rather than the slide presentation, slide presentation, yeah. down to uh, three people talking like heads and, and, and off we go. You know, maybe there will be just more of these. I'm playing around with some ideas around maybe a band being the opening to our keynote session at Event Tech Live. Just, just yeah. you know, as people join, something to watch, listen to, something different, and then get people, you know, buzzed about what's coming and then the the keynote speaker comes on because everything i've seen at the moment is just like a countdown ticker and it's yeah. like five four three i'm not, I'm not. Right. <laughs> downtimer on my cooker i don't need another one in my life like that's not exciting right but a band or something um before that would would make me feel engaged would, would switch my attention on i think more importantly and and, and keep my attention because there's so much distraction um yeah. Ali, one of my final questions for you today is, having had all the experience before and now through, you know, changing your platform to adapt to, to, the, to the new world and, and supporting your customers and organizers out there with hybrid, what are some of the ways that we might see Hub develop over the coming years in terms of features or direction that, that some of our listeners might want to keep a watch on in yeah. kind of adapting for themselves and, and utilizing for them? Yeah. And one of the things that's really important to me as a marketer is thinking about brand. Mm -hmm. And our platform is one of the most flexible in market of really allowing your brand to shine with completely custom designs. You know, you think about going into a convention center and we spend a significant amount of money putting banners on the wall and putting clings on the floor and making it feel and have a sense of place. And so you think of a virtual platform, that's your venue, just virtually. And so really being able to bring your brand forward, not just a logo on a chest that looks exactly the same across every single event, that doesn't bring your brand. You really wanna think about experience 
experiential design. So I think Hub will continue to lead the industry with thinking about agility and flexibility in mind. As a meeting planner, if I want to change something, I want to do it at two o'clock in the morning and I don't want to have to talk to someone to do it. And so that's always been our perspective is providing self-service tools that allow the control in the meeting planner's hands to be able to make those changes with all the best implementation and support and strategy from our team, but really enabling the meeting planning industry to do what they do best, both in person and in virtual. I think a lot of our world is going to continue to be about data. And so while we are, will continue with feature sets that make the attendee experience better, that make the event organizer experience better, where I really think the power is, and this has been our roadmap for a long time, is all about the data. How do we know what specific audiences need? How do we know who our best speakers are to which audiences? How do we help exhibitors to be able to mine the data that's coming in to be able to service up more leads or more engagement with their content? And so to me, the real opportunity in the event space is in big data. And that just means collecting it, but then also having an event planner's mind to say, this is actually how it's actionable. Measure what matters, not the 90 million things that just go in the junk drawer afterwards. And so that's a big piece of who we are is not only continuing to enhance the feature set that allows for a better experience, but also helping to take our industry into the new world of data as we continue to really change the way that events bring value to the overall organization. Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to see more back-end create the ability for me and my team to have dashboards that are individual to us based on what our role is within the organization and, and what data means the most to us. Cause sometimes data can be quite overpowering, can't it? It's, there's, yeah. There is such a thing as too much, especially when it's not relevant to you. Like if your job's in sales, do you want to see speaker data? Probably not. If, but if you're in charge of content, you don't want to see sales data either. Right. So, you know, one of the things that we've, we've built with Event Industry News on our dashboard is, is we have a flexible dashboard, drag and drop dashboard that we can drop. I'm always the one that's looking at statistics and what people are reading and what people are engaging with and article stats and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the other team are there to support our customers in marketing. So they're more uh, focused on kind of like impressions and click through rates and that kind of stuff, help them with their, their role. And I think that's what we need to see more around data in our sector is the platforms providing the ability for teams to be able to create their own dashboard based on what's important to them. Absolutely. Because let's face it, there are things that you need to know as that event are going on to make those last minute changes mm -hmm. to, to call the company up to make those changes, but yeah. you need the data to act upon them. And if it's siloed away or not super visible to you, or you have to find it somewhere that just delays the process. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to see how hub, develops for, for those that are listening ali where can where can people check you out i'm sure it's really super simple but what's the best place for them to go and check yourself out and hub out and, and that kind yeah, of yeah absolutely well our website is definitely the best place and i'm super excited because uh we are working on a complete refresh and new website that will be out in the next 30 days or so so that's a super exciting thing to get to do five years is a long time in our space so i think it's time for a, a brand refresh and uplift uh, but our website is hub h-u-b-b dot m-e so hub.me and you'll see a wide variety of resources there everything that i've talked about with untethered our webinar series our blog all of that transparent and authentic communication in terms of where we're going and how we can look at achieving it all of that is located there 
Awesome. And maybe I can invite you as well to speak as part of Event Tech Live, because I think maybe going a little bit deeper into Untethered sounds like the, the right course to take now, especially after people have listened to this. Absolutely. Well, I have missed, uh, I will miss this year coming in person because I've always enjoyed being there in person and it's a great excuse to come visit. Um, but I will take the virtual option and plan on being hybrid in the future. <laughs> uh, you can just run it. You can just manage it. Oh, that's it. <laughs> I'd be happy. <laughs> Events are definitely my passion. <laughs> I thank you so much for joining me today. I'd love to catch up again with you after the next Untethered um, and talk to you about how that hybrid model played out once you've figured out how to do all those smaller yeah. all around the world. I'm sure our listeners and, and viewers would be interested in seeing that. For everybody listening today, if you liked hearing from Ali and you liked today's content, please do go follow her, check out Hub. Um, give this podcast a like and a share to your network so that others can gain the knowledge that you've absorbed today. Um, Ali, once again, thank you for joining me and we'll see you in the next one. Thank you very much for the time. Mm -hmm.